Some time ago, I read an article about how the TV show Friends was originally pitched to NBC. Line was, it's about sex, love, relationships, careers, a time in your life when everything's possible. And it's about friendship because when you're single and in the city, your friends are your family. This, I realized, is the reason why I love friends so much. Because I am single and away from my hometown, my friends have been my family for almost two decades now. For some people, there comes a moment when you stop being friends and become family. How does it happen? everyone and welcome to the 59th episode of Banana Q Podcast. Our episode today is about friends, not the TV show, although we might be mentioning them, let's just see, but about the people <laughs> with whom we have a bond of mutual affection. Yes, that's right. So that is actually the dictionary definition. <laughs> <laughs> let's start by asking ourselves, why do we need friends? Yeah, why? And I think it all boils down to our pursuit of happiness. And having friends is one of those hacks that indeed has high correlation to happiness. And one of my favorite authors, Professor Scott Galloway of NYU, wrote in his book titled The Algebra of Happiness, he referenced a lot about this study, the longest study about happiness called the Grant Study. Uh, And it's part of this study of adult development at Harvard Medical School. And it's a project that has been ongoing since 1938. Wow, that's very long. Yes. So the project has followed 700 plus men. I don't know why it's only about men. Maybe they want to avoid confusion with, you know, the biological differences with women. But anyways, Uh the study was all about men of various economic and social backgrounds since they were teenagers back in 1938. And apparently, President John F. Kennedy was one of those people who were subjects in the original group. Oh, wow, and okay. Over the years, over those eight decades, right, they've been collecting a lot of information about health. And every two years, they would ask the members questions about, you know, the status of their lives, how are they mentally. And after aggregating all those data for 80 over years, right, you know what's one striking revelation it had? What? It says that our happiness is based on the deep, meaningful relationships we have maintained in our lives. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whether it's bond with your family, whether it's admiration and respect you get with your colleagues, or is it from the joy and camaraderie you get with your friends? And I think as we grow older, we have that with our friends, right? We Mm. recognize that we get joy and camaraderie with them, but do we... Tell them, not necessarily, right? Yeah. Especially male, mm-hmm. we kind of think our friends are telepathics. Like we kind of assume that they know that <laughs> we feel joy. <laughs> yes, that's true. By having them. So I think it's also important to constantly tell your friends that, hey, thank you for being my friend. You know, you bring joy to my life, something like that. You're right. For males, it's not really common to be so upfront about your feelings. Mm. You probably tend to show your affection through actions or something like that. That's right. Probably some of them would think it odd if you say, hey, bro, I love you, bro. 
Like some people <laughs> think it's odd. <laughs> but for women, we do that a lot. Like my best friends and yeah. I, once in a while, we would tell each other, I love you. And it's not weird. Mm. I guess that's where the disparity is. You're right. And I agree with what Scott Galloway has mentioned because if I ask myself what I remember of my younger years or say, for example, specifically studying as a elementary student, I would often remember the times that I was with my friends, right? As my kind of high moments. Mm. I don't necessarily associate my happy moments as those with me alone in my room studying. <laughs> those are not necessarily <laughs> the happiest moments, right? It's usually with your friends going out there somewhere doing something stupid. And mm, yeah. yeah, so that's why I agree. The relationships, the deep, meaningful relationships you have are kind of like a gauge of happiness. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Today, we will be tackling all those phases of how we've collected those deep and meaningful relationships with our friends through different phases in our lives. And let's start with preschool. Before we even go to school, I think it is natural for us to capture friends. Like, and for myself, I think I play a lot with my neighbors back in the days. Yeah. And it's natural. Sometimes I have a lot of free time and then there are nobody to play with. And adults probably find it boring to do the stuff that I'll be doing. So I would naturally connect with my neighbors who are of the same age group. And we would do things together, like maybe play hide and seek, even maybe taking a shower in the rain. Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> that was so fun. The kids would be so excited. It was raining and then we're rolling around in the puddles of mud and uh, and the adults are horrified because oh my god the labada like <laughs> don't worry we have tied ultra <laughs> sure not sponsored but yeah you're right i do miss those moments usually we needed playmates right and mm. for kids actually it was a lot easier don't you think for kids to make friends yeah it is natural for us. We didn't have to think to say hi, hello at first, introduce mm. ourselves. No, nothing like that. It's literally just maybe sharing a toy. Hey, do you want to play? Mm. And then that's it. That's like the start of a friendship. Yeah. And you would go to adventures together, maybe look for grasshoppers, spiders, attend birthdays together. Because you enjoy the same things and that's why you do the same things as well. Yes. And also maybe children are more innocent. So they didn't really think about like socioeconomic differences or whatever, right? <laughs> Even color. Kids didn't really see color. They're saying that the only time that people become racist is when they become adults because that's not really something that you are born with. That's right. It is unfiltered, right? So it just mm. proves to us that being friendly and being friends with people is natural. It's an instinct for us. Yeah, I think it's a part of the human psychology. Children need to be socialized at a toddler age. You cannot even learn to be a good human if you're not socialized. Like, can you imagine if a child is just left behind by himself? No friends. Adults also don't talk to him. Mm -hmm. He needs someone to actually socialize him. Otherwise, he becomes different. Like, I just suddenly remember that, you know that cartoon, Mowgli? I don't think I've heard of that. The Jungle Book? So the kid grew up with wolves Ah, the Jungle Book. Yes, yes, yes. He is actually based on a true story. Well, I mean, obviously, it's not the same. Like, they're not going around singing bare necessities. But somewhere in India, I think, they found this guy who was raised by wolves, basically. And he couldn't Ooh. speak. 
Because apparently, according to that same article that I saw, once you are past the point beyond toddler years or whatever, you cannot even mm. be taught how to socialize with humans or to learn the language anymore. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why I was mm. surprised when I read that. Because that guy, even though he was with human society for many, many years, a lot longer than he was with the wolves, he never learned to speak the human language. Because much of his formative years was in the presence of wolves. So does he howl in a full moon? Maybe. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> that's how he was raised. That's entirely possible. And maybe he also just adapted their traits and not the human traits, right? So that mm. is why it is very important to socialize kids. It's our instinct that you want to have friends or to, well, we can look at your family as friends mm. as well, right? That means you need human connection. That's right. But how about when we started going to school? Did you notice any change? I think during school days, you chose your friends because of proximity or convenience. Like whoever was yeah. your neighbor or whoever was sitting next to you in class. Like for example, me, during freshman year of high school, our teacher made us sit down in alphabetical order according to our surnames. <laughs> So <laughs> that's how I happened to meet my best friend. And actually, a lot of people who knew us were so confused. Like, why are you close? You have completely different personalities. And <laughs> it's just because... <laughs> of proximity. And we probably would have been best friends as well. Yes. Had we attended to the same class. Because I'm Abadi as your Abarido. Exactly. What was the last name of your best friend? Augustine, so yeah, but maybe the three of yeah, us would have maybe been the three friends. of us, yeah. <laughs> the three musketeers or something. <laughs> Who knows? Yes, but I think you're right. You probably would have, but I think people would not have been confused about the two of us because we have similar personality. <laughs> <laughs> I see. For them, it's yeah. like yeah, that makes sense. I'm not sure about the third person though, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so mm. that was how it was during school. It was still a bit similar to being kids. Mm. Yeah, but outside the classroom, though, we also made friends, right? Yeah, like for myself, not necessarily like you, like you made friends with your closest neighbor. But for me, I attended a lot of extracurricular activities and that's how I gained a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. Like we do activities like I I've been a Boy Scout since like my elementary years and we would go camping together. Oh, yeah. Hiking. And we share not just the best moments, but also very awkward moments, right? And that's why... <laughs> Yes. The friendships really stick because mm. you do a lot of sort of things. Like, say, for example, you're out in the wilderness, you're out camping, mm. and all of a sudden you need to do number two in the wilderness. Oh, my and gosh. You would wake <laughs> your friend up, right? Like, hey, I need your help. Like, I need you to go with me, maybe hold the torch while I do my <laughs> business, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's just no way you won't be friends after yes, that. Yes, yeah, like, of you've course. You've already shared something so <laughs> intimate. that. <laughs> I agree, I agree. Yeah, I think for me, my closest thing to that would be when I joined like the CAT military training thing that we had in high ah, school, yes, remember definitely. that? Mm. Yeah, because you also had to undergo different things, right? Mm. Bad things together as well. Like mm. going through the same tough things with others make you closer to them, right? Mm. The commander, he would punish you together and all that. Mm. So it made you feel closer. It's kind of like being in fraternities and sororities, I would think. That is why they have different bond. It's because you all went through the same kind of pain. You do feel closer to people who have been through the same pain as you. It's like we are enslaved by the same 
master and so we have to gang up or <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have a common enemy <laughs> that's true or simply because you just tend to be friends with people who can understand you right mm. not just the bad things obviously but also the good things like you tend to bond over a shared experience right. and during high school or college reunions Those will be the memories that you love (laughs) recalling, right? Because those are the moments that you've shared. And that is why these moments are important for us growing up. Because these are memories that we anchor on. If we feel depressed and we just think of that memory and then it lightens the mood. It helps us recover. You're right about that reunion thing. Because recently I had a video call with my college friends. We spoke for maybe almost four hours We talked about the college days, obviously. After the end of that, we were laughing so hard about all these shared memories. And then one of our friends, Maya, said that, you know, what's so funny? I think this is the same things we talk about every time we go on a Zoom call. But like, we never (laughs) get tired of talking about it. (laughs) Yes. Right? Like the terror teachers and all these experiences that we had. Yeah, they do form the reason why we became friends with these people, right? Why I was still friends Mm. with these people even though we have graduated from college a long time ago and we're all in very different countries. Yes, that's right. But speaking of clubs and hobbies, one of the most common trope in coming-of-age films are the different cliques in high school. Have you noticed, right? In movies, there would be different cliques that, you know, they won't even be... Uh, sitting in the same sections of the cafeteria. Because if you sat with a group that was not your clique, they would go, you can't sit with us. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Or this seat's taken. Yes. So some of the more common types of cliques in these movies include the jocks, the prettiest and the most popular girls, the Mm. troublemakers, the geeks or the nerds, and, you know, the achievers, the ones who are usually like the leaders of the student government and all the clubs, right? Mm. So my question is, which were you? Definitely not the jocks. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm terrible <laughs> and at I sports. I wasn't a troublemaker. <laughs> I probably belong to the nerd group. The ones that just are very silent. Mm. I don't know. Maybe a combination of nerd and also those who have a lot of extracurricular activities. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, are you sure? You pegged me as an achiever. I was also a nerd. I was always reading books in the library all throughout my school days. I was never the prettiest and most popular girl. In fact, I looked down on those girls. I had an issue back then. <laughs> oh my God, you're so vain. Why would you wear lipstick? <laughs> Why was that a big deal? And now I'm like 10-step Korean regimen. And <laughs> all this like oh my god (laughs) Uh, karma it's just that it came later for you it came (laughs) exactly it came earlier for them yeah so do not judge anyone I guess because you never know who you will become yeah you're right it's almost always emphasized in western movies right the differences in characters and then they would group up it's similar for us but not necessarily with the cafeteria thing yes no because We don't necessarily have that spacious cafeteria. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Especially in a public school. We just buy somewhere, maybe take it back to the classroom. Yeah, you're right. There are groups that you would necessarily belong to. And that's how friendships are formed. But it's also a source of competition, right? And healthy competition amongst your peers. Because you would group up with friends and then you would look at other groups and then you would compete. And we do that a lot. 
especially in high school, right? We are hormonal. We have a lot of yes. adrenaline. <laughs> and whenever there's a school activity, okay, pick your group. And then automatically, you know who your group mates uh, are. Yes, yes. And sometimes it becomes awkward if the teacher has a preset condition in grouping. <laughs> like, okay, count one, two, three, and then all number ones. Like, no, mom, but my friend is on the other side. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess those were one of the things also, right? That you that you pick. Like, you pick your friends who, for example, if you are a nerd, then of course you would pick fellow nerds because, you know, they're reliable when it comes to projects and all that. Like, why would you want to be with a troublemaker, not just that and that's because you've shared a lot of things already that you know how to you know you you just click Mm, you don't need to adjust anymore you probably went to each other's houses 10 20 times already and so you're comfortable working with each other and your parents are already kind of oh i'm gonna you know stay late i'm I'm gonna be in person a's house then the parent would be like ah okay yeah that's fine yeah i trust but him had yeah, it been okay. some some somebody <laughs> else that would have been a lot more adjustments i would say yeah you're right that's true as we grow older though like beyond school mm. as we become an adult we we typically are no longer linked to proximity or to people who we have similar hobbies, but we are a little bit more picky, right? Yes, I <laughs> agree. At, at, at this point, we kind of categorize our friendships and we have what we call transactional friends. Mm. Like your colleagues, you don't necessarily call them as your intimate friends. Like, I mean, you still consider them your friends. You share, maybe you invite each other for lunches, you get to know them but not necessarily at the same level as you would say like your best friend. Yeah, that's true. And then aside from having transactional friends with your colleagues, you also kind of look for people who probably have the same personalities as your other friends. Like you kind of Uh, already have a set criteria of who you want, right? And mm. some of it also is not by choice. Like what if, if you have kids, then naturally you would hang out with, parents who with kids as well so that Mm. you know maybe your kids will have playmates and you talk to each other with the same topics like what diapers you buy where can you (laughs) get cheaper whatever it is right you kind of have a common wavelength Mm -hmm. and that is why it becomes easier for you to be friends with that person i guess those are still considered proximity friends but you can still choose though right like of course if Mm. you meet a lot of parents right then you could choose from among them like, who would you rather hang out with? That's probably because also at that point in time, like if you've reached adulthood, you would have met several people with different personalities. And now you are sure which kind of people you're going to click with. Oh, yeah, that's true. Based on your experience, right? So that's why you're very picky already. Like, huh? here, that person reminds me of this guy who I met before and we didn't really like we fought all the time and it wasn't really a healthy relationship and so okay. i tried to avoid that person so we already have criteria versus if you contrast that when we were younger like when we were preschool like we don't yeah. care <laughs> that's we true. don't have a preconception of what a friend is supposed to be uh, whoever is the closest he is our friend yeah i guess you're right um you're already more wise basically you, mm. you have ex- prior experience to compare it against And while our friends at all phases of life we mentioned are capable of turning very close, as mentioned in the premise for the TV show Friends, those friends on whom you rely on because your family was not around 
eventually mm. ascend to a different level. Maybe because, you know, there's no choice, right? Like, okay, mm. my family's not here. You have to rely on these people. So they tend to kind of not really replace your family, but they ascend to that same level. It's like they got promoted mm. to family, right? <laughs> 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 yeah. So one thing that Ray and I had in common is we both moved away from our hometowns even before we became overseas Filipino workers. So mm. we both moved to Makati, right? So we have had experience being away from our families for so long. So regardless of whether it was Makati or Singapore or Japan or Hong Kong, we were still far away from our families. So in those instances, we had no choice but to find a new family. But I would like to think that this was actually better because your actual family is one you were born into. <laughs> so you don't really have a choice, right? You have to love mm. them regardless of if you have issues with them. Mm. But friends, that is family that you can choose. Yes. So you can choose wisely, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that is a really nice parallelism. <laughs> Friends are a family that you can choose, so choose wisely. So when we choose wisely, what do we mean? We thought we could list some of the traits that we look for in the people that we decide to become our family. And I remember that I actually had a blog post that I wrote back in 2013. It was called Seven Traits of True Friends. When we went through the list, we thought that, you know, this still applies. So we're going to go through them one by one. Hmm. Okay, so I'll go first. The first one on my list was, your problem is their problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> true friends care about you. They're not just there for the good times, but also for the bad times, right? As the song goes. Mm. So, when you have a problem, it is their problem too. And they will do everything in their power to help you. Sometimes even without you asking them for help. They are sad when you're sad, and when you're sharing your feelings about this, they actually listen to you and focus on you rather than to ignore what you're talking about to talk about themselves. Because we, we've met people like that, right? So when there is bad news, for example, about your hometown, they are immediately concerned that your family and that you may be affected. So it is their impulse to ask how you are. And also if they know that you mentioned something like maybe a few days ago that you had this problem, they will follow up. Even the next week, even if you don't bring it up, they'll say, oh, so how are you? How is that problem? So one example I could think of, like during the Sambuanga war that I mentioned in episode 53, one of my best friends, she was not even from Sambuanga, but during the entire crisis, she was also checking the news feeds. She was also praying for us. And she was there for me and our other friends who were going through the entire ordeal. So I think for me, that is really what separates if someone is just a fair weather friend or not. Yeah, and I agree. Because otherwise, they're just there when you're happy. When you're sad, they're nowhere to be found. Then that's not a true friend. I agree with that because somehow, right, being a friend is being irrationally invested in the other person's well-being. And I say irrational because you take care of your friend without expecting something in return. So yeah. if your friend has a problem, you empathize and ask him, hey, what's the matter? How can I help? What's going on? Even without the expectation of if that happens to you, your friend would do that to you. You just give yourself 100%. Yes, exactly. I like that. And it gels nicely to the second trait that we are looking for. Mm -hmm. They are your biggest fans. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of the polar opposite. So if your friend has a problem, you are there. But at the same time, 
if you are undergoing something like a new endeavor, a new business like this podcast, for example. Yeah. Our biggest fans <laughs> at first were our friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, even though we only have a few listeners, all of them are our friends, maybe listening 12 times <laughs> so that the numbers look better. But it doesn't matter for as long as we have our friends listening, we have our supporters. They kind of fuel us to do a lot more, do better with what we do. And it's just if you need somebody to serve as a wingman, like you want to court somebody and mm. you, you typically need a friend and your friend would be your biggest supporter, right? Yes. You'd be like, oh, so have you bought this? Huh? Why? You don't have perfume? Okay, I'll, I'll get my perfume really quick. So they will, <laughs> they're really invested in your success. And they're like your biggest cheerleaders as well, right? Like if you're going mm. to embark on something like, oh, I, I think I'm up for promotion. And they were like, oh, you can do it. I'm sure you will get it. That sort of thing. Yes. Like They are behind you all the way. Okay, the third trait is they make time for you. They always keep in touch. So they schedule dates with you. And if you're in a long distance friendship, they always chat with you on a regular basis or schedule video calls. And during the pre-pandemic days, they schedule meetups overseas. Like, for example, when I went to Japan, mm. of course, I had to meet up with Ray. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and when Ray and Lang Lang visited Singapore, after they had moved to Japan already, we had a Valentine's date. Speaking of dates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was... Was it Valentine's it Day? It was Valentine's was... Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you treated us to dinner. We went to that restaurant. It was a very fancy restaurant and we were dressed up. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so sweet. That's what I mean. They make time for you. They will clear your schedule for you if you need them. Mm. Right? Even if they are very busy people. Usually, a true friend will try to, if they know that you're in crisis, mm. they will be there for you. And like, oh, sorry, I need to deliver this now. But wait, I think my friend is crying. Then you will... Even just have two minutes to comfort them, right? Nowadays, it's actually not as tough to keep long-distance friendships because of all the tech available. I mean, of course, I'm not saying it's easy either. You have to make an effort. But I think it was way more difficult in the past, like in the 90s. Like, remember, you had to call someone long distance. If you move to Manila and I'm in Zamboanga, <laughs> they need to pay by the minute on PLDT, right? That was expensive. Or you had to write emails in an internet cafe where you had to pay by the hour because we didn't have an internet at home. <laughs> we were not rich. <laughs> yeah, in the past, it definitely required not just time and effort, but also money. We're lucky, that we have all this technology available. Even in the past, you would write a physical letter mm. and it had to be brought there by boat or by horse or something. <laughs> like, how is that going to work? <laughs> and you're right, it costs a lot of money. But it also is unique in a way that in the past, even though you haven't seen your friend or you have lost contact with your friend for a long time, but the moment you see each other again, everything is like, it's as if yesterday. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, how are you? I mean, like, nothing is lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the good thing, I think, also about true friendships. Because, of course, you cannot afford also to keep in touch with so many friends, right? Mm. Like, for us, we moved to several different places already. So, sometimes you cannot help it, but you lose touch with some of them. 
But you're right. Mm. The moment you see them again, like, you know, you visit the Philippines and then you have dinner with them or you go on a Zoom call randomly and then you end up talking for four hours. But then it's like, even though everyone is a lot older, right? Like, for example, I was on this call with my former colleagues who were my friends as well mm. in my Makati days. And by now, like two of them are like really high up the ladder because they stayed with the same company. So we're saying, oh my God, you're now the Rahul of the company. Like Rahul was our <laughs> department head at the time. So, <laughs> so he's like joking about it. I said, if you tell his guys that like the hundreds of people reporting to him, oh, do you know that that guy used to do this? It's like, <laughs> it's hard to imagine. But the friendship yeah. is still there despite the distance, despite the age. Mm, you're right. And I recently reconnected with my elementary best friend. And wow. his name is Richard. And my name is Reynante. Do you remember? There's an artist, maybe, that the name was Richard Reynante. Oh, I don't know this. Okay, there you was. Okay, probably he's a Cebuano artist, maybe. Never mind. We were so close before. We were, like, joined by the hip. And recently, through Facebook, as you've mentioned, right? Like, it's free. Through Messenger, you can reconnect with somebody costless. Yeah, and, and very, very convenient. And I realized that it's been a while since we've chatted with each other. At some point, I still know who he is. Like, mm. I still know his likes, his dislikes, and we still connect in the same level. And I like that. Yeah, because I think there are things that will change for people, but there are some things that don't, right? Like you said. Mm. Okay, maybe I don't like this food anymore, but there are certain things that you still like the same. Like for me, once a bookworm, like I don't read books so much anymore, but I still like reading like articles mm. or whatever. So that's not really going to change. I think I remember reading an article before. I don't know how true that was, but it said that who you are at seven years old is like fundamentally who you will be for the rest of your life. Like maybe the values are mostly going to be like that. Mm. It's not really going to radically change so much for most people, I guess. I mean, of course, there are outliers. And you're right. Maybe because when you see characteristics in a friend and if that's the true characteristic of that friend no matter the time and distance that will still shine that will still show up and you get reminded of yeah that's why you are my friend yes like, that's true i kind of like that time you know, spending time with your friend because i wouldn't say that's the easiest but it doesn't cost anything right spending time with your friend is probably the best way of reconnecting with your friend and it doesn't cost anything it trumps all, all the gifts, like just spend time with your friend. Yep. The next trait that we've mentioned here is your true friends, they look out for you. Yeah. <laughs> so your friends will defend you. They will fight for you. They will get into at length fight with you. I think for men, especially, it's physical fights, I would think, right? But I've never gotten into <laughs> a physical fight. It's okay. Because you're a nerd, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> You are not a troublemaker. Yeah, maybe we will just hack into that person's website and do a DDoS or <laughs> oh my God, okay. denial of service attack. I see. Mental note, not to be Ray's enemy or his friend's enemy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the, the point that we're trying to drive here is you extend yourself to your friend. If your friend is being backbited or there are some things that are being said negatively about your friend, you would stand 
on behalf of your friend's person, right? And you、mm. would defend that person.、Uh, you would defend your friend. You would say all the good qualities of your friend in defense. And I think it's but natural. An attack on your friend, you would feel like it's an attack on yourself as well. Yeah. Because you share the same qualities. And if you're saying my friend is bad, you're also indirectly saying that I am bad. So that's why I want to defend. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe just love your friend. That's why you would do that. Like, not necessarily an attack on you, but. Trust your friend, right? And sometimes if they're mad at someone, you're also mad at that person. Like, even if it's、mm. not, if you, not that other person they're mad at, for example, Gemma did something bad to you, right? And then Gemma did nothing to me, but I would also be mad at Gemma. How dare Gemma do that to you, you know? <laughs> ah, you're right. And it's, it's not even just friends, it's also about anything. Like, hey, what's the consensus of this group based on your friends? Do we hate like, a certain politician? Like, are, are we left wing? Are we right wing? Right? Like, we sometimes seek affirmation by、uh, asking for consensus with your friends. You don't also want to clash with whatever it is that they think is right and wrong. And that's why you would want to join in or chime in. Yes, yes, that's true. And also, I think looking out for you, it's not just always believing. That you're right, right? Even if you're wrong, they also try to correct you, right?、Mm. Like in How I Met Your Mother, they would hold these intervention sessions. Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they had this gigantic intervention banner. So, like, if your friend does something really bad, like, typically the intervention is for alcoholics, but I don't think I've ever had to attend one of those. I don't think I have an alcoholic friend. But yeah, you try to steer them. Out of that bad behavior, right? Because you don't want them to go in the wrong direction. That's right. And it all goes back to our initial premise that you really extend looking after your friend's welfare. And if he's doing something that's harming himself, probably he's not conscious about it, then you kind of step up and do your role as a friend and let him know that, hey, whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to dial it back down maybe. 50% because it's already harming you. You're already getting late in your going to your work and it's affecting your relationship, not just with me as, as your friend, but also looking around at your colleagues, your family is also affecting them. So, kind of like you're extending yourself to your friend. Things that you don't want to happen to yourself, you also don't want to happen to your friend. And so, kind of looking after your friend. So, trait five when you're missing, they look for you. <laughs> I once read an article about a man who was found dead in his pajamas some 20 years later. No one had looked for him. After reading that, it became my biggest fear. <laughs> But my friend Jell said that that would never happen to me. And I realized she was right because I remember one time I accidentally forgot my cell phone at home. I came home to lots of missed calls and hundreds of messages. Like, my friends had gone bonkers. Like, what happened to her? Is she okay? Like, you know, they were worried about me. But actually, I just forgotten my cell phone. And which reminds <laughs> me of another incident. There was one time I went on a date with a guy. I think it was the first time that I went with a guy that I didn't know. And this was a guy I met in a bar. So maybe, you know, like, ooh, maybe he's、mm. a killer or something, you know? So I told Jell about my plans because, of course, I'm a reasonable person. So I told her, okay, I'm going. On a date with this guy that I don't know, in case something happens, just so she knows, right?、Mm -hmm. I tried to describe him, I guess, or whatever. And then later on, I saw that I had around 10 missed calls from Jell while I was having <laughs> dinner. And when I finally called her back, she answered mid ring, like, you know, Ray, chick, where you? <laughs> <laughs> 
the protective friend. It, was, it wasn't on purpose, right? Because, like, of course, when you're on a date, you're not supposed to be looking at your phone because it's Mm-mm. rude. So that was it. But probably I should have, at least for the first few minutes, you know, looked at my phone because Mm-mm. I did tell Jill. And Jill is a bit of an anxious person. So for all you know, mm. I don't know what she did during that time. <laughs> she she probably <laughs> described your date to the police already, like a caricature <laughs> sketch. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that probably wouldn't be shocking if that happened. <laughs> but there you go. So, yeah, that, that's what you do. If your friend is missing, then you should look for them, right? Mm. I recently listened to this podcast about, you know, what you should do for a friend who has depression. And it's saying that if you feel like, oh, this friend is lying low. For example, you know, this friend is always posting on social media and then suddenly... How come it's been 24 hours and they haven't posted anything? That could be a sign that maybe they're depressed. Mm. So you should reach out to them. And even if they don't reply, you shouldn't feel like, oh, suplado, you know, and then you are not going to talk to them again ever. Mm. Because a depressed person is not going to reply. So you just need to like keep on asking or just, hi, how are you? That sort of thing. So if you are a true friend to someone, that is what you should do, according to this podcast that I listen to. Yeah, that's a good question actually like if i'm faced to that situation i'll probably send a funny meme Mm, yeah that could work and see if that person reacts then if not then probably something is up yeah it depends also how close you are with your friend right yeah of course yeah for close friends you would know how they would react and even by their response you would know exactly their state sometimes because how come He's no longer using the two dots that he used to, like... (laughs) (laughs) Two dots, (laughs) Whatever quirkiness it is, like, you would definitely notice, right? Yes. Like, the way the person responds, maybe that person calls you by a different name, even. Like, that's telltale signs that probably something's going on. Your story about that guy in the pajama that has been dead for 20 years kind of reminded me of a similar situation here in Japan. I, I forgot exactly the details, but it is similar the police found out that that guy has been dead for maybe 40 years. The government did not know that he was dead because the family has been collecting the pension money. So that means that person didn't have friends as well because the family has been collecting pension money. So that means nobody would have, hey, where's Pablo? (laughs) He hasn't responded to my message. Then somebody must have worried or asked or unless they reach out to the family and the family talked a different story. That could be entirely possible. Yeah, this that's probably different. I think this guy, I'm not sure, I don't remember the entire story, but it seems to be that he had just gotten divorced from his wife. That's the reason why nobody found him after 20 years. Yeah, I think the only person who knows that that person died is Netflix. <laughs> what? Why? Why? You know how Netflix will ask you, hey, are you still watching? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and then Netflix is like, oh, he hasn't responded for like 20 years. He's probably <laughs> dead. Oh my <laughs> god. Because the screen is still on. Like, are you still watching? <laughs> oh my god. And I think also, if I remember correctly, like all his bills were on auto pay or whatever. Uh, because touch wood, if I died, my landlord would, hey, how come you're not paying? They would come look for mm, me. That's right, that's right. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do auto pay. <laughs> that is not the solution here. <laughs> but that is one of the reasons why it went on for as long as it did. The next trait is they are trustworthy. 
And I like this because trustworthy is the first point of the Boy Scout law. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we recite the Scout Oath and then the Scout Law, and then the first point is trustworthy. And I think this one is important because with your friends, right, you really share a lot of secrets. You really are being vulnerable to that friend. And if that friend is not trustworthy, then you will be into a lot of pain, right? Because you will feel betrayed. And then perhaps you've shared intimate secrets and perhaps that person has shared it with someone else. And now everybody knows your secret. And so you felt betrayed. So I think this is also one of the reasons why we are very careful with our choice of friends because it is rather painful if we feel that because, oh, I trusted you, but then you broke it. And then once that trust is broken, it's really, really hard, if not impossible, to put back like a mirror. Yes, that's what they do say. And that's why in movies, those betrayals between friends, they are very impactful. Like, mm. for example, in Harry Potter, I don't know if you remember, but I don't think this is a spoiler, right? Harry Potter has been around for so long. But anyway, Harry Potter's dad was actually betrayed by one of his best friends. So that's why it like really felt like a knife to Harry's heart. Is that how he got the scar on his forehead? No, <laughs> that was Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, not completely yeah. not. Okay, trait seven. They love you despite your flaws. Mm. Yeah, so just like in romantic relationships, mutual like is how most friendship starts. But it turns deeper only when you start to love them. Because like it's just a bit superficial, right? Because you just like someone. Oh, we both like the same jokes. Something like that. Oh, he's funny. I like him. Doesn't mean you love him, right? But it becomes deeper when you love them because you start to love them even though you don't like everything about them. Because, of course, nobody is perfect, right? True friends are those who accept you in your entirety, flaws and all. Like in my case, most of the time, I'm okay to be with, but I can be quite moody sometimes. But the friends who still sought me out and forgave me even after all my moodiness, these are the friends whom I know are definitely true because they know that, okay, despite that, that's just 10% of who she is. But 90% of the time, 90% of her traits is what I look for in a friend. So those, I would think, those are your true friends. Yeah. I think the operative word there that you've mentioned is forgiveness, right? Mm. If you are seeking out deep and meaningful relationships, I think you should be able to forgive that other person's flaw because nobody is perfect. Yes. And the ability to look beyond that flaw and accept that person for whoever he or she is, then yeah, that's the litmus test, I would say, of a true friendship. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. A few days after we recorded this episode, I woke up to the news that Ronald, one of my friends whom I considered as family, had passed away. He was just in his 30s and had so much potential. My friends and I felt disbelief that we would never see him again and had a lot of regrets about how we could have been better friends to him. So, if you're listening to this and have close friends in your life, do not take them for granted. Help them with their problems. Support their endeavors. Make time for them, even just to check up on them to see how they are. And tell them you love them before it's too late. Minute. Time minute. for our followers. Cutie Minute. Your thoughts in our voice. Cutie Minute. Not really one minute, but we're calling it... Cutie Minute. All right, and our first cutie is 
Philip Seto. And this is from Podchaser with a five star rating. Yeah. We don't accept anything lower than five star. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he says, interesting content and stories followed and waiting with anticipation on your future episodes.、Uh, like, I like it. Thank you very much, Philip Seto, for the kind words. Yes, and of course, Please leave us a rating and a review as well on podchaser.com. Just look for Banana Q on the search bar. We would truly appreciate a five star rating, as Ray said. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> and a review. The second cutie is Preachy Fajardo. He's one of our Suki cuties. But I chose this because it's about childhood, which we kind of mentioned just now. So she said about episode eight What do 90s Filipino kids remember? Piwi, Richie, Langit Lupa, Tansan equals Pog, Dial Up Connection, Telebabad, Backstreet Boys or InSync, Tayo na sa Sineskwela, Dawson's Creek or Tabik Ngilog, Princess Sarah equals Isa Sigera, <laughs> Autograph Book. If you can relate to all of this, you were a 90s kid in the Philippines. There are only a few podcasts I listen to that make me want to join the discussion, like, ooh, ooh, and then she put the emoji of a lady with her hand raised. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, she can do that. <laughs> she can join in future conversations. We are open. And then she said, Follow this podcast. It makes washing the dishes so much fun. Thank you,、nice. Pritchy. <laughs> Thank you, Pritchy. <laughs> Awesome. And this one, the next one is for episode five. Are your 30s better than your 20s? From Tripni Nenny. She says, I actually loved my 30s much more than my 20s. But, with a big but, I do remember crying also when I turned 30. <laughs> <laughs> my friend and I both turned 30 that year, so we decided to gift ourselves with a trip to Europe, Italy, Paris, and Barcelona. Wow. wow. I love my 30s much more than my 20s. Now I can actually afford stuff. Have more wisdom or so like to think. <laughs> And I'm more fit. Wow, buti pa siya, okay? Buti pa siya. I was able to run a half marathon, which I never ever thought I'm capable of doing. This episode is so relatable. And your dynamic partnership. It's so impressive how well in sync you two are despite of your distance. Thank you for your. <laughs> Wait, let me finish. Thank you for your entertaining content and more power to your podcasting. Oh, thank you very much, <laughs> Trip Nini. I was, I was about to comment that sometimes we are not in sync, right? If the internet connection is bad, we're like. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to communicate sometimes. But yeah, thank you. We, I totally understand what you're trying to say, Trip Nini. I think what she's trying to say is we're in sync, not with the internet connection, but with the wavelength, right? With the thoughts. Or maybe with the band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? An InSync song. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> no, 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 no. I never got to learn the lyrics of that one. I only know bye, bye, bye. Do you know? You may hate me, but it ain't no lie, baby. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> that one has a dance as well. Yes, yes, yes. Is that the one with the puppet strings or not? 
I think it was. You know, at the beginning, there was this puppeteer and they were the puppets. Uh, I think that was it. Maybe, maybe. Of course, if we're wrong, please feel free to correct and us. And we have been a lot <laughs> yes. in the past, especially about music. <laughs> yes. Strangely and ironically. Yeah, yeah. So please feel free to correct us. And then our last cutie is Mark Garcia. And he said this on Facebook. I love them! Three exclamation points. What I really love with their podcast is that nakakahawa yung laughter nila. Sobrang good vibes lang talaga. Ah, thank you, nice. Mark. That is so nice. Mark Garcia. So if you like what you heard, please consider following us through Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us a like. Give us a five-star rating. Podchaser, wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. That's it for this episode. See you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.